0: everybody, welcome into the Glass City Game Time Podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. This is episode number 40. Thank you so much for listening to us this week, whether you do so on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, or one of the various podcast outlets we are available on each week. This week we're very excited to bring in one of the top college football prognosticators in all the country, This man has a plethora of knowledge. He is an encyclopedia of the game. I'm talking about, of course, Phil Steele. And if you have not read Phil Steele's college football preview magazines yet, I'm telling you, you're missing out. He breaks down teams. He breaks down rosters. He breaks down conferences like no other out in the college football world. His latest 2020 issue is available now on philsteele.com. And when we reached out to Phil to talk to him, We didn't know this was going to happen quite yet, but the Big Ten announced their 2020 college football season schedule. And, of course, Ohio State and Michigan, they are going to be playing on October 24th. They're breaking away from the traditional play on the last week of the season that they've done since 1942. So Phil joins me to talk about the Big Ten schedule release, to talk about Michigan football, a little Ohio State football. And, of course, we have to get into the Mid-American Conference as well. University of Toledo, a 6-6 six and six season last year. How do they bounce back? What does it look like in the MAC East? The balance of power seems to be shifting. So we break all of that down with Phil Steele on this episode of the Glass City Game Time podcast. Stay tuned for the interview, and I will talk to you at the end of the podcast.
1: It's that time of year, Corey. Uh, but it's also my favorite time of year because uh, you know, no deadlines, no magazine deadlines. That six-month process is over; the magazine is out and available, and uh, now just get to talk football all day long. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. But the Big Ten schedule fairly interesting. Uh, you know, in the fact that uh, naturally there's some date changes there. Ohio State, Michigan moving to uh, October is a little bit of a, a difference this year, but for the most part. Uh, all nine opponents that they had had prior stay the same, and they added basically one game to the Big Ten schedule.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, when you look at this schedule, for at least Ohio State and Michigan, that's, you know, here in Toledo, those are our two teams, and for for both teams, really, it looks like it's mostly front-loaded, with the exception, perhaps, of Michigan having Minnesota in Week 2. I found that very interesting, and then Penn State right after that in Week 3. So, you know, I kind of want to start with Ohio State here, and you mentioned, the the game October 24th some people had the thought that it would be you know moved even to week one just to get it in to get it out of the way how do you feel about having that game Ohio State Michigan I know it's the first time since 42 that it was moved from the last week of the season how do you feel about having that where it is on October 24th
1: well I'll be quite honest with you Corey if it was any other season I would be irate not having this be the final game of the season How can you take the greatest rivalry in college football and move it off of the most important week of college football rivalry week? But this year, I'm not irate about anything. As long as we're playing football in the fall, I'm a happy guy. So I don't care when they play the game this year. I think everybody realizes it's an unusual year. You're not going to have the full crowd, most likely, that you normally would for an Ohio State-Michigan game. Things are going to look a little different on the field. So, like I said, any other year I'd be irate, but this year uh, it's no big deal to me. I'm it's just going with the flow.
0: Oh, I think we're all just looking for some kind of sport. We're looking for for it to get back out there, and of course, in the safest way possible. You know, when it comes to Ohio State, a lot of people talk about the talent gap, if you will. Do you feel the gap? In talent, in the Big Ten, it goes Ohio State, and it's a far reach from second place, because that seems like what the perception really is.
1: Uh, Actually, uh, you know, this year, I think Penn State is a team that comes very close to Ohio State talent-wise. James Franklin's been doing a phenomenal job building that team. I've talked to him each of his seven years he's been there, and the first year he was there, they had walk-ons in the two-deep, and uh, they were limited due to scholarship limitations. Now, you talk to Coach Franklin, they've got an experienced team this year. They go three deep at every position. And not just players' names, but we're talking highly touted players, third string, that you'd feel comfortable putting them in the starting lineup if you had to. So I think Penn State, talent-wise, caught up to Ohio State, and that gap's not that big between Ohio State and Michigan. I think maybe the biggest gap last year may have been speed at the skill positions overall. And uh, Ohio State would break a few more big plays, and those can turn the game. But, uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan have played some uh, good games in the past, and I don't think there's a a massive gap talent-wise between the two.
0: A lot of people are putting Jim Harbaugh, it seems like, really under this proverbial microscope. And I know those contract extension talks coming up with them. How do you perceive this season for Jim Harbaugh? Do you feel like this could be a do-or-die scenario, per se, or do you think that you know, this could really impact those negotiations.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think Jim Harbaugh has been on the hot seat, and I don't think Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat this year. I think that uh, he's still, you know, he's the best that uh, you could put up there for Michigan. I thought their window to, op- to win the Big Ten was actually last year. Uh, they didn't get it done, so a little disappointed in that. But I, I think with all the circumstances going around this year, uh, even if Michigan doesn't uh, give Ohio State a great game or – finish second in the uh, Big Ten East. I think Jim Harbaugh is still safe.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that Michigan can find that and turn that around. And, and we're looking for them to kind of get over that hump. And I think the Big Ten, as you mentioned, with the conference-only schedule, it's going to be locked in this year. I mean, you're going to see that Penn State matchup, that uh, the, the Michigan matchup with Penn State, rather, in Week 3. And uh, I think right away you're going to see that hard-hitting football should we actually get to it. What were your biggest takeaways from the Big Ten schedule, looking at the whole thing?
1: Well, as mentioned, you know, I, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, I'm not concerned necessarily with home and away as much this year uh, because of the limited home, uh, field, home crowd advantage that the teams are going to have. But uh, I think the biggest beneficiary may have been Iowa in the fact that uh, prior to the season, Iowa had back-to-back road games against Ohio State and Penn State with both Ohio State and Penn State off a of bye, so <laughs> it was a pretty tough situation for Iowa to go through, and now they do get a bye the week before they play Penn State on the road, and then Ohio State's the season final. Now that comes the week after Iowa plays Wisconsin, which I think is going to be extremely interesting in the fact that Iowa and Wisconsin could be the battle for the Big Ten West, and then I has got to go play Ohio State the very next week. So that's still a little bit tough at the end, but uh, I think their schedule got a little bit easier.
0: It's going to be such an interesting and, and really wild season. You know, as long as it gets played, we're going to see some high intense action with conference-only football, I think. Phil, now, I, I mean, your 2020, your college football preview magazines are just off the charts, insane. I, I mean, you truly are a prognosticator at its finest, and I have to commend you for the the new issue. It's it's so amazing. I do want to talk a little Mid-American Conference football with you as well, because the University of Toledo, a 500 season last year, missed out on a bowl game. They went ahead and shuffled out basically the defensive coaching staff, and they rewired the whole system per se. What's your take on UT football and really that power balance in the Mid-American Conference for this year?
1: Well, I'm expecting a bounce back for Toledo this season. I mean, you look at last year, and last year basically if it could go wrong, it went wrong. Uh, injuries, especially at the quarterback position, uh, affected them last year. And uh, as you mentioned, 6-6 six and six for Toledo, that's just unheard of. Uh, whereas you look this year, bringing in Vince Carras at the defensive coordinator, I thought he did a great job at Mountain Union uh, the last seven years, and uh, bringing in – Coach Cool to do the defensive line. I mean, he, he was the hottest defensive line coach in college football when he was at uh, Missouri and then Miami and then Alabama. And to get him to land at Toledo, I'm pretty excited about the prospects defensively, especially last year. Toledo gave up 5.4 yards per carry rushing, which really was obnoxious for rocket standards. I think that's going to be cured this year with the talent they have returning on defense and with the new defensive coaches. And then if they can get quality quarterback play, and I know Carter Bradley struggled in his two starts last year, but I think he can it would be a much improved QB as would Eli Peters. Having a running back like Brian Kobach, Having the receivers like they do this year, adding in a Ronnie Blackman to McKinley Lewis and Mitchell is solid. I thought losing center Bryce Harris was a big part of the offense last year because let's face it, he was one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Getting him back is going to be a plus there. So I think Toledo uh, clearly a contender in a, in a wide open MAC West. I mean, the MAC West is a tough division in the MAC. Central Michigan Jim McElwain proved last year. He can get it done and, and he's got plenty of talent coming back. Western Michigan with, uh, Tim Lester, uh, they do have to replace their quarterback, but he's comfortable with Caleb Ellaby at the QB spot. And then how about Ball State? Ball State almost made it to a bowl. They've got the veteran QB back of the front runners and Drew Plitt. They've also got Caleb Huntley back at running back. I think Ball State's going to be, uh, worth a look this year as well. So it's, uh, it's going to be a very, uh, a very wide open West, but I went with Toledo to win it this year and get back to where they, they usually are.
0: Yeah. A, a wild Mac West, if you will, with, with, loaded with talent and university of Toledo, we're hoping at least they can, you know, turn that back around from last year. Again, you mentioned it 500 seems it's just unheard of the university of Toledo, but Phil, I look at the Mac East and of course, Bowling Green state university, they're kind of in a rebuild with Scott Loeffler, um, What's your take on the MAC East? And it seems like this power always is shifting every year. And you know, last year it's one team, this year it's another team. And you know, you look at Buffalo this year, and who could it be in the MAC East? What's your take on that? On that power struggle, it seems like there is over there.
1: Yeah, we got. Uh, I think four real good teams on the MAC East. Now, if you're a Bowling Green fan, I will say this. Have some patience with Scott Loeffler this year. They're trying to build this the way that Dave Clawson built this thing. when it, That was a patient thing. It took time, but when they did get it right, all of a sudden they were there. I think they're going to have vastly improved quarterback play with Matt McDonald, but probably still a year away from actually moving up in the East. Now, I think Kent State was a wild card last year. Remember, they got that big comeback against Buffalo. Uh, and that spurred the final four win season. And I thought that Dustin Crum outplayed a first round draft pick at quarterback in the bowl game. In fact, he did outplay that first round draft pick from Utah State. Uh, so this is a Kent State team on the rise. Now, Miami is a team that won the MAC last year. They were an underdog in a bunch of games, still won the MAC, won the MAC championship game. They've got Brett Gambert back at QB. And this year's team is better than last year's team for Chuck Martin. As 17 returning starters, whereas last year they only had 11. It's a much more veteran squad with a veteran quarterback. They're dangerous. Ohio U is always dangerous with Frank Solich. And, you know, not only do they have Curtis Rourke back, who's the younger brother of Nathan Rourke, but they add in Armani Rogers from UNLV, a grad transfer. This guy was one of the top quarterbacks out of high school. He's number 49 rated quarterback. USC wanted him. He ended up going to UNLV. That's a big-time addition there, plus the entire running back room returns. And that defense is going to be much stronger this year. And then with Buffalo, I love teams that can run the football. We know Buffalo can run the football. Veteran offensive line, Jared Patterson, Kevin Marks at running back. And I love teams that have a great defense. And Buffalo's defense last year, 43 sacks allowed 2.9 yards per game. And basically the whole defense is back. Seven starters back, including James Patterson. So I think it's extremely tough to uh, win the Mac East this year. Highly competitive
0: Phil, a couple other points here, and I know you're a very busy man this morning, so I want to, you know, kind of make these brief if we can. Going back to the Big Ten, looking at Ohio State, uh, a lot of the prognosticators, the majority would pick Ohio State to win the Big Ten. Do you feel the same way going into, into this season?
1: I did pick Ohio State to win the Big Ten this year. I had a lot more question marks about Ohio State last year. I had question marks about a defense that had given up 400 yards per game the previous year, an offensive line that had just one returning starter, a brand-new quarterback, a brand-new head coach. All those questions were answered. Justin Fields had a 41-3 ratio. The offensive line was fine. This year, basically the entire offensive line returns. Justin Fields is back and this, uh, Ryan Day is now in year two. So, yes, I have Ohio State favored to win the Big Ten this year. In fact, I've got number one in the country overall.
0: So national championship aspirations for sure.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I've got them winning it all this year. So it's uh, if you're a Buckeye fan, you should be pretty excited about this upcoming season.
0: We heard this morning, we're recording this, of course, on Wednesday, we heard this morning that University of Connecticut says it's canceling its football season. And I say canceling because that's the exact language. There's going to be no UConn Husky football this season. Say what you will about the program. Say what you will about their status and in playing as an independent as they were expected to this season. But for a major college football team to come out and say they're canceling their season, do you feel this could be some kind of a first domino that's going to fall?
1: Not at all. Not in the least bit. With Connecticut for the last month, I wondered how is this team even gonna play football this year? They're an independent all the conferences are going to conference only games. The FCS is moving to the spring. The amount of teams that you're even available to play is tough to begin with. And let's face it, Connecticut's in a complete rebuild. They have been one of the worst teams in college football, and now they're going to the independent, trying to find opponents. They're not making any money on football. So I would have made the same decision if I was Connecticut. If I'm a Power Five team or a Group of Five team in a conference, I don't even consider that because it's a completely different set of circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's it's such a weird thing that's kind of happening with that program. But some people might take that as okay, a major college football team's pulling back. Could this be the startup but you know? Do you that's, think Connecticut's a respected. major
1: college football team? <laughs> some would say. Some would say. Look, look, Phil,
0: Phil, I went to Syracuse. So I'll never say that Connecticut's major in anything, okay? Especially okay. six overtime, ba- especially six overtime basketball games. We got them on that one. So I'll, so I'll take that, Phil. Again, I know you're an extremely busy individual doing rounds of radio and podcast interviews and and the whole nine yards. So thank you so much for the little sliver of time you were able to give us today to talk about the college football world and we could have of course gone an hour and a half and some change with you because you are just an absolute sensational reporter when it comes to the college football world your magazine is insane and we love it and uh thank you so much for everything in the time this morning we appreciate it
1: well it was great talking football with you Corey. and one thing i would like to throw out to your listeners real quick and that is that the magazine is usually everywhere we print a couple hundred thousand of these things this year, I only printed 50000 and it's only available at two places, Barnes & Noble and Books-A-Million. We have a lot of people saying they're driving all over looking for it. Well, don't drive all over. Just go to a Barnes & Noble, a Books-A-Million, or contact us at philsteel.com. Only places to pick up the magazine. But it was great talking football. and Hey, I get the chance to talk some Mac football, so I was pretty excited today.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's talk more Mac football during the season. I'll, I'll leave you up on that one.
1: All right, that sounds good, Corey. I'm looking forward to that because I love talking Mac, and naturally a lot of the shows I do around the country really don't bring up the subject, but uh, I'm always looking for some action.
0: Well, so are we. So we'll take you up on that midseason. Phil, thank you again. We appreciate the time.
1: All right, have a good one, Corey. Thanks a lot.
0: There you go. My thanks, of course, goes out to Phil Steele for taking time out of his insanely busy schedule to join me for a few moments here for Glass City Game Time. Phil making rounds of radio and TV and podcast interviews, and we're thankful for his time. We truly are. And you heard him say it himself. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, October 24th, any other time might be a little bit different, but... We're not living in normal times right now. We're trying to get this season in as safely and as best as possible. It's going to be a very interesting start to finish for this college football season. And regardless, you can hear it in Phil's voice. We're excited to have football back for sure. Also, his take on University of Toledo. Hopefully, the Rockets can improve from that 6-6 and record as he projects. And of course, the MAC East. There's going to be a few teams in the mix there. And BG fans, BG patient. They will come back up. And thank you, of course, for listening to this episode of Glass City Game Time. If you enjoyed the show or want to go back to listen to previous episodes of this podcast, there are plenty of ways to do so. You can check us out on toledoblade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. And if you enjoyed this show, please feel free to leave a like rating, And if you have not yet, please subscribe. That goes a lot farther than you might think. So, for Phil Steele, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week.